Good morning, Spirit Church. Come on, let's stand to our feet. How's everybody doing today? All right, you sound like it's 8 a.m. How's everybody doing today? Great, come on, we've got a great service plan for you today. Come on, let's sing. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. So come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only Son to save us, whoever believes in him will live forever. Oh 
the cross. Jesus is waiting for God so loved the
in this house this morning. God, we're so thankful for your presence. God, we know that in your word it says that you inhabit the praises of your people, and so we just pray this morning, Lord, that you just inhabit this place today. God, have your way in this place. God, move how you wish to move. God, we just begin thanking you for the, the life change that's going to occur in this house today, and for the things, the miracles that you're going to do today. God, we are just so honored and so blessed by your presence. We love you, we thank you, we praise you. Jesus name. Amen. We're going to continue kind of in this moment of, of worship and praise and saying the Lord's Prayer together as we do each week and just acknowledging Him and as a church unified praying together. So let's, let's, let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise one more time this morning. We serve an incredible God. We're, we're so thankful that you're here this morning. So excited that you chose to spend your Sunday with us here at Spirit Church. Why don't you turn? And say hi to someone and have a seat this morning. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Spirit Church. My name is Cheryl, and we're so glad that you're here joining us today. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you part of our family and we'd love to connect. If you're here in person, you can scan this QR code to fill out your Connect card or your guest card. If you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church guest or spirit.church connect. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would love to meet you in the Welcome Center following this service. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, don't feel any pressure to give. Let this service be our gift to you. But if you're here and you want to give, here are three ways that you can. 
you can use a giving envelope and drop it in either kiosk in the Commons area. You can give online at spirit.church give. Or you can use our Church Center app. Spirit Church, you're the best. Now I've got a couple of announcements for you. We are kicking off a new parenting group this Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. on Facebook Live. Put the kids to bed and join Pastor Jason and Robin as they discuss grace-based parenting by Tim Kimmel. This group will run for six weeks every Tuesday night, and you can find us on our Spirit Church Facebook page. If you are a Spirit Kids or Spirit Kids Junior Volunteer, please plan to join us this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. for a team meeting. This meeting will give you the most up-to-date information so that we can serve our kids better, and dinner will be provided. Spirit Church, thanks for listening. Now let's get out our message notes as Pastor Jason continues his message series on worship. Give the Lord praise this morning. Aren't you glad you came? So thankful for the goodness of God. I wanted to take just a second before we started and kind of give you some updates on things. Last week, uh, we asked you during service if you would pray for Olivia and for her family. She had been involved in that accident with the lightning. And just wanted to let you know that it was Wednesday of this week that she went home to be with the Lord. And so our prayers, our continued love and support are with her family, uh, her parents, and her sister. And uh, the Lord has been the one who is giving them the strength during this time and the peace. And they're just courageously um, walking this journey out. It's, it's a journey that you can't be prepared for, right? Nothing can, can prepare you for your 14-year-old to go to heaven to be with Jesus. But we have the hope of heaven. And we have the comfort of of the Lord's presence, and we have the strength of the body of Christ. And speaking of that, uh, Olivia was a student at Wesleyan Christian School, and so Pastor Joe Kola is one of my very best friends. Robin and I love spending time with, with Pastor Joe and Don Marie, and, and Mr. Landers, who's the superintendent of the school, and I have become friends, and they are really spearheading efforts to serve the family there, during this time. And some of you have already reached out and said, what can we do, how can we help the family? And thank you for your kindness. What we're gonna try to do is just so there's not so many streams, if that makes sense. We just want to join it all together and make it simple and easy for everyone to serve, everyone who desires to serve the family to do that. So Wesleyan Christian School has set up a link. It's, it's almost like a GoFundMe page, but it goes through their accounting department where you can give a financial gift to the family. They're also collecting gift cards for the family. So what we're going to do is our team is going to post on the Spirit Church group, not our main Spirit Church page. You need to join our Spirit Church group. This afternoon, we're going to post all the links that Mr. Landers sent to me and make those available to you for those who want to give. And, and thank you again for all that you have been doing and all that you continue to do for this precious, precious family. We haven't um, received any details yet about a service, and we're just giving them their time um, for the Lord to minister to them right now. 
Interestingly enough, uh, this series is called Worship is More Than a Song. Robin and I got away last October and we prayed and planned out the year's worth of messages and we knew that this year in August we wanted to teach on the principle or the concept of worship. Next week's message just so happens to be worship when you don't understand what's happening around you. And I've watched the Richardson family worship when God didn't make sense. It's a great book by James Dobson, by the way. So in preparation for next week's message, I know you're here and you want to hear today's, but as we get ready for next week's message, in your personal devotional time this week, I would just encourage you, maybe read the first two chapters of the book of Job. Um, Job is a man who worshiped when God didn't seem to make sense and when circumstances around him didn't happen the way he thought they should have. And then I want to also challenge you um, or encourage you the book of Habakkuk. It's three chapters, a small book in the Old Testament, but it's a really powerful reminder to us that God is faithful even when our circumstances are unfortunate. And I was just going to share with you, this isn't a part of today's teaching, but the last three verses of Habakkuk chapter 3 say this, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, and even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. And the sovereign Lord has been the strength of the Richardson family this week. So would you keep praying for them, please? And I appreciate you and love you for that. Uh, Cheryl, you heard her say our parenting group kicks off on Tuesday. We've had a very generous family in our church that has purchased... 50 copies of grace-based parenting now we had an 8 a.m service and a 9 30 service and i didn't want all the books to be stolen so we sequestered 20 books away and hid them under the chair where i sat and robin and i just set them out so they're first come first serve you can run up here and get them when i finish preaching if you try to come now brent is my dude and he's going to take you out so you got to wait until I'm done with the message, but then a, a family in our church, some of these are gently used, but the words haven't changed in the book, so these are available. They're right down here, 20 free copies if you get down here after service, and then the last thing, we'll get right into the message. Friday, August 25th is Legacy Night. This is a really fun night, something that we love to do as a church family. This is for people who are 55 and older, people who wish they were 55 and older, or people who feel like they're 55 and older. Uh, it's a great night, free cobbler, free ice cream. We sing songs that we grew up singing. We reminisce. Uh, we don't live in the past, but we just talk about the goodness and the faithfulness of God. We have invited Phil Taylor to come. He was the pastor of Carbondale Assembly of God for uh, like 40-something years, and that makes sense to our church because Pastor Daryl Wooten, before he became pastor of Spirit Church, he was the youth pastor at Carbondale Assembly of God in Tulsa. So we're going to get to hear from one of Pastor D's pastors in his life fantastic musician you're going to love to hear him sing and play and he's a great bible teacher as well so it's a friday evening six o'clock i encourage you to come you'll really really enjoy it all right let's stand on our feet we're going to go to our in the vault text for today it's psalm 103 verses 1 through 5 if you're new we do an in the vault text every week together because we believe in placing the word of god in the vault of our hearts that god's word changes us it makes us more like him it helps us to know him the bible says it helps us to not sin against god and what we do is we work on the same verse every week for a month 
And then on the last Sunday of the month, we set up what we call quotation stations in the commons. You don't have to do this by any means. But if you've memorized the verse, you can go into the commons, you can quote the verse, and then you can receive an incentive or a prize or a giveaway. Last week, we gave away popsicles if you memorized, or last month, popsicles if you memorized. Not sure what we're going to do yet this month, but it's just a way to encourage us to meditate on the Word of God and to memorize it and put it in our hearts. This verse looks intimidating on screen, right? You're like, I ain't memorizing that. That looks long. But the first two verses are very similar and not that hard. So we're going to say this together on three. One, two, three. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins, and He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Now before I pray and we start, that that third line there, how many can identify with this? He forgives all my sins and he heals all my diseases. Has anybody seen that to be true in your life? Come on, let's give him praise for that. He, he's forgiven us, and he's healed us. And Lord Jesus, we thank you because your word is powerful, it's living, it's active, it's true. Your word challenges us, your word changes us, and the more that we uh, ingest and invest your word, the more we become more like you. So that's our prayer today, Lord. Make us more like you. I pray, Father, as your word goes forth, that people would not hear my voice. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you speak specifically and uniquely to each person exactly what you're trying to communicate to us, and we praise you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Again, we're so glad you're here. Robin, I love you very much. Uh, Years ago, there was an auction that took place, and on the auction block was sports memorabilia. And they found all kinds of unique stuff that they auctioned off. There was a a politician, a well-known politician, and they somehow acquired his Little League baseball jersey. Maybe his mom kept it in a closet, and it was on the auction block. There was a very famous basketball player, and they didn't find his basketball shoes, but they found a pair of shoes that he would go out and jog and exercise and run in, and they were in the auction. There was another athlete that had played in a championship game, and somehow they were able to get the jersey that the athlete had worn in the championship game. And and when you think about these items in and of themselves, they have value, but not that much value. A, a, A Little League baseball uniform, maybe 50 bucks or so. A, a pair of running shoes. I know those can get on the higher end sometimes, but $100, $150, $200. A game-worn jersey, depending on the caliber of the athlete, depending on the, the gravity of the game, it could be $250, $500, maybe a little bit more. But the value of those items was one thing, but the amount that they went for was extravagantly higher at the auction. And the sole reason that they went for so much more than what they were worth was because of who they had belonged to. And this morning, that's one of the questions we're going to answer is, who do you belong to? In this series about worship, we are talking about the fact that we belong to Jesus and our worship is a reflection of who we belong to. And let me be very upfront and very clear with you. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you no longer belong to your sin. 
You don't belong to your failures. You don't belong to your shortcomings. You don't belong to your health crisis. You don't belong to your job. You don't belong to your bank account. You don't belong to your emotional shortcomings or imperfections. You belong to Jesus. And because you belong to Jesus, you're worth way more than you think that you are worth. You might say, no, I'm just, a, I'm just a little league baseball uniform. I'm just a pair of running shoes. No, you might think about it yourself that you are that way, but because you belong to Jesus, your value is tremendous. Uh, if you have your Bible, I want to show you 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, whether it be your hard copy or if you've got it on your phone, obviously we'll put the verses on the screen for you, but 1 Peter chapter 2 verse number 9 talks about this value that God places in our lives because we belong to him. It's a passage and a scripture that you've probably heard before, but it's one that bears repeating because it reminds us of how God views us. Here's what it says. He says, Peter writes this, you are not like that for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Now, how many of you might even say, you don't have to say it out loud, but you would identify with that fact that, hey, I'm one of those people. I've been called out of darkness. And he says, once you're called out of the darkness, you don't belong there anymore. You're no longer there. You are now a child of the light, and you're to shine the light of Jesus where you go. And so Peter, who's writing this verse, he's in Rome when he writes, and he's writing to believers all throughout the Roman Empire in different cities, and he lists that at the start of this letter. And, and the, the issue is that they're living under Roman rule at that time. And he's telling the people who are reading this letter that they need to persevere in the midst of the suffering and persecution that they faith, face, that they need to stay strong in their faith even though they are suffering as a result of it. And he tells them that the way that they can endure, the way that they can persevere is if they give themselves wholeheartedly, faithfully, completely to God. And Pastor Daniel spoke last Sunday and he did an amazing job starting off this series and reminding us that worship really is an expression of our heart and what matters is that we give and submit and surrender ourselves to God as an act of worship. And that's what Peter is writing in 1 Peter chapter 2 to the believers. He's telling them that they should bloom where they're planted that they should be light in the darkness, that they should faithfully serve God amongst people who don't serve God, that they should live holy in the midst of a society that was unholy. He's asking them to consider the fact that every part of their lives could be seen as an act of worship. And for you and I today who are reading this letter now, this book now, we too can follow Paul's advice or Peter's advice and principles that he writes for us. Specifically today, we're talking to students and to teachers. In just a little bit, we're going to ask the, the educators, those who work in our schools, homeschool uh, parents, to, uh, teachers, to come down, and we're going to commission you. We're going to pray over you. We've even got a gift that we're going to give you. We're going to send you, teachers, and you, students, into your schools as missionaries, as ambassadors for Jesus. But the lessons today aren't just for teachers, and they're not just for students. They're for all of us. Today, all of us can be light in the darkness. All of us need to be reminded to serve God faithfully amongst people who don't serve him at all, to live holy in the midst of people who are unholy, to view every part of our life as an act of worship before the Lord. 
Now this verse is so powerful, but you know that we read and we understand the full counsel of God's word. And so we have to start where this verse starts. 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 1. This passage begins with this thought from Peter. He says these words, Get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, with hypocrisy, with jealousy, and with all unkind speech. He's telling us, you're not living that way anymore. Christ has come into your life. There's a change. There's a difference in you. So those things that you used to be, that person that you once were, that's done. Those days are over. It's gone. And then if you go down to verse number 8, we were looking at verse 9 a minute ago, but verse 8 right before it, he says this, He, meaning Jesus, is the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fall. And then he writes, the reason they stumble is because they do not obey God's word. But then you need to pull out your highlighter or you need to underline this or circle this or screenshot this and send it to all your friends. Look what he says. You are not like that. That's a powerful truth because our culture, our world tells us just be quiet and fit in. Just be like everybody else. Don't make too many waves. Just blend in and be tolerant and be accepting. And Peter says, you're not like that. God says that you are a chosen people, that you are royal priests, a holy nation, that you're God's very own possession. And as a result of those facts, you can show others the goodness of God. Why? Because God has called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Now you can see behind me, our series is called Worship, It's More Than a Song. And in in two weeks from now, we're going to discuss that simple phrase about worship, that we do worship Him with music, with instruments, with singing, with clapping, with lifting our hands. And our worship team, as you heard this morning under Jenny's leadership, they're just doing an amazing job every week of, of leading us into the presence of the Lord. And... I know you're already clapping, but let me brag on them for just a second. As good as they were at 11, they were that good at 8 a.m. this morning. And that's really early to sing and to lead people in worship, but they were that good at 8 a.m. But hear me, singing and clapping and playing an instrument and lifting our hands, it's only a part of our expression of our worship. We worship God every day in the way that we live our lives, especially in the way that we live our lives in the culture in which God has placed us. In the context, the people who surround us, how we live our lives in front of them is an act of worship. And and Peter says in his book that this is how you worship God, that you be faithful to God in spite of your surroundings. In fact, this whole verse, 1 Peter 2.9, is saying that you are set apart and that you were chosen for God's purposes and not your own. That you're set apart and you're chosen for a higher calling, a higher purpose. As I said, today we're focusing on students and teachers because many have already headed back to school. Some are about to go back to school. And I I remember those days. Uh, I remember it was my junior year of high school, and that was the year I was convinced I was going to make a difference for Jesus Christ. I just knew it. I had been to the best youth camp ever, and then I'd gone to this national fine arts festival, and then we'd had awesome youth services, and our youth pastor was just amazing and challenged us. We're going to reach our campuses for Christ. We're going to shine the light in the darkness. We're going to reach one more for Jesus. And so, teachers, you'll relate to this. The the first days of school are sometimes the getting-to-know-you days of school, right? And teachers are trying to figure out who are these aliens that have been transported into my classroom, right? And what am I going to have to deal with with these kids all year? And we had one of those pages of 
what's your favorite color and what's your favorite kind of ice cream and all the questions. Well, the very last question was, what is the greatest moment of your life? And I knew it. The light went off. This is my opportunity. This is it. And I wrote it down. The day I got saved. And I was excited. And I was, in fact, I was so excited, I, I, was, I put an exclamation point at the end of it because that was that was it I was going to be a witness to my teacher and all my friends when they saw that paper and I took my paper and I set it in the bin and as I headed out of class the guy behind me who was coming who was very much not saved not trying to be judgmental I don't get to make that call I'm just saying if he was saved he sure didn't act like it right very much not saved he didn't I don't think he knew that I had put my paper in he didn't see my name but he said these words as I'm walking out of the room got saved from what did somebody like have a bear attack this year and all of a sudden it occurred to me he had no clue what it meant to be saved all of a sudden I realized that sometimes people don't know that they need to be saved maybe deeper than that that some people don't recognize that they're worth saving Maybe some people aren't aware of the fact that there is a God who has come in the form of Jesus Christ to save them. And as humbling as that is, that's where you and I step in because God says that we are set apart and we're chosen for his purpose to make him known, to share the story of how we've been called out of darkness and into marvelous light and the God who rescued us can also rescue them. The work that God did in our life is not exclusive to us. It's available to everyone that God's grace is sufficient, that his mercies are new every morning, and the God who saved me can save you too. That's the privilege that we have as believers. And we come in in that part where we tell people that we're set apart and chosen for God's purpose, not in an arrogant way, but in a humble way, just saying, Lord, use me to make you known. You know, Peter's writing this letter, and the people that he's writing it to, they would have identified with these terms, not just at face value, but because of their history. These are mainly Jewish people, and their ancestors, decades, maybe centuries earlier, had been rescued from Egyptian slavery. They were there. You remember the story where for 400 years they served Pharaoh, and then God came in and he brought plague after plague, revealing himself to Pharaoh and finally he said you can go you can go and you can worship your God in your promised land and as they went through the water the water parted in front of them the Israelites crossed the Egyptians chased them and the water comes crashing down and the horse and rider are buried in the sea as the old song goes and now they're free in the promised land and then they kind of hit a snag right and they they kind of lost their way in the promised land and the journey that should have taken them just few days takes them 40 years to get where God wants them to be but it's in that journey that God speaks to them and in Exodus chapter 19 God communicates the same principles of first Peter chapter 2 to the children of Israel to generations earlier he says you saw what I did to the Egyptians you know how I carried you on eagles wings and brought you to myself now if you will obey me if you'll keep my covenant you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth for all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests and you will be my holy nation so when Peter writes that they're a chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation their mind immediately goes to their ancestors who had come out of slavery in Egypt and how this promise had already been made and now they say oh, 
this promise is for us too. I love these phrases that God uses, my own special treasure, my kingdom of priests, and my holy nation. I want to show you four keys from 1 Peter chapter 2 that kind of define our role as being chosen and set apart for his purposes. The first principle I want to show you this morning is this, that behavior reflects belonging. And if you have our app, the notes are available there if you want to take notes wherever you are. But behavior reflects belonging. What I mean by that is who you belong to determines how you believe or how you behave, excuse me. Who you belong to determines how you behave. And, and the verse that we're studying this morning, 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, you're a chosen people, you're royal priests, you're a holy nation, and I love the last part, you are God's very own possession. He says, you are mine. In Psalm 103, verse 1, our in-the-vault text for this entire month, it begins with the words, Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Why do I praise his holy name with my whole heart? Because I'm his. Because I belong to him. Let all that I have within me bless or praise his holy name. And, and this concept of being set apart or chosen... To the, to the Jewish readers, it, it kind of makes sense, but maybe they don't fully get it. They don't fully understand this new way of thinking, this new affiliation, this belonging that they are gods. But there's something powerful about belonging. I remember when I was about 11 years old, maybe 12, one Friday morning I woke up and my mom told me that the draft had happened the day before and it wasn't a military draft it was the baseball draft and it wasn't the professional baseball draft it was the little league baseball draft this was a big deal because that's when you found out who you were going to play for and what team you were going to be on and I had been on the Wildcats but the Wildcats weren't an MLB team and I wanted to be on a real MLB team not the Wildcats I wanted to be like a Dodger or a Ranger or, you know, an astro, a real, an actual team, not a wildcat. Nothing against Kansas State people, because we love y'all. But it's not a real MLB baseball team. And so the coach tells my mom, we've drafted your son, and he's going to be on the Colts. Well, they're a football team. They're not a baseball team. But the bigger issue was that the Colts weren't in my league. See, the way Little League worked is I was in minor B, and I was supposed to be drafted to a minor A team. And then after minor A, I was supposed to be drafted to a major team. Well, they skipped minor A. The coach told my mom, we want him to skip minor A and come play for our team in the majors. And I said, I'm, I'm too young to go to the majors. They're all going to be bigger than me. They're all stronger than me. They're all faster than me. And you know that because I didn't feel like I belonged, I played like I didn't belong for most of the year. And finally, somewhere through about half of that season, after extra coaching, after spending time with my dad and trying to improve, I finally started believing that I belonged on that team, and all of a sudden I started playing like I was supposed to be a part of that team. You see, when you know who you belong to, it changes the way you behave. Psalm 100, verse number 3, it says this, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we're his. We are his people, and we are the sheep of his pasture. I probably sound like a broken record. I say it all the time, but that's one of the best verses in the Bible. He's the Lord, and we're his. How much better can it get? 
We belong to Jesus, and when I'm his, when I belong to him, I act like him. When I belong to him, I start talking like him. When I belong to him, I reflect his goodness and his love because behavior reflects belonging. The second principle is this, attitude reflects authority. Attitude reflects authority, and where your authority comes from determines your attitude. And by the word attitude, I mean your mindset or your outlook on life. Not saying that we have a bad attitude or a cocky or an arrogant attitude, but that my mindset is reflective of the one who calls me his own. My outlook is that I am set apart and chosen for his purposes, not for my own glory. In First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, you are a chosen people, God says. The second thing he says is, you are royal priests. So not only do we belong to God as his special treasure, we're a royal priest or a kingdom of priests, as the book of Exodus told us. We're a kingdom of priests. Now let me, let me ask you a question, and you already know the answer, but a kingdom without a king is just what? Dumb. Right? And that was a dad joke, but it was a pretty decent dad joke. The kingdoms must, by their very nature, have a king. And not only are we a part of a kingdom, we're a part of his kingdom. And not only are we a part of his kingdom, but he asks us and trusts us to be priests in his kingdom. Therefore, my attitude is a reflection of his authority in my life. You possibly have seen the movie Remember the Titans with Denzel Washington several years ago, a football movie that came out, and there's a, a powerful scene in the movie. The team is, is at odds with each other, and they can't come together in unity, and one of the star players, Julius Campbell, is having a conversation with the team captain, Gary Bertier, and in this very contentious moment, Julius looks at Gary and he says, attitude reflects leadership. It's almost a biblical statement. Because the question we ask ourselves is my attitude a reflection of who has leadership and authority in my life? Is my mindset indicative of the authority that he has been given over my life and the authority that he has then entrusted to me as his priest? Another way to ask that question is who's your leader? Who's your leader? Look at Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 and 19. Jesus says it this way, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth Therefore, go. What's he saying? I have authority. Now I'm transferring authority to you. And as my priest, you go. You preach the good news. You baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You declare and proclaim this gospel to all nations, to all people, everywhere. So my authority that I have is not so that I can lord it over people and tell people that I got Jesus on my side. My authority is so that I can, like Jesus, serve and seek and save people who are lost and far from God. My authority is, or my, my attitude is indicative of the authority he has given me as a priest. Let me show you one other verse where Jesus talks about this. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20. It says this, look, I have given you, here's the transfer, I've given you the authority over all the power of the enemy. We forget that a lot. I got to I'm tempted, I'm probably going to end up falling into temptation. Satan set this trap, I'm most likely going to get snared by this trap. No, Jesus says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You don't have to be bound by that addictive behavior anymore. You don't have to be ensnared by the thing which has kept you for so long. Jesus has given you authority. But then we read the next part of the verse and we get wacky. Because he says, 
you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. It doesn't mean like you should do that just for the fun of it. Okay, and as we, Rob and I have been your pastors for just over two years now, I just need you to know, and I've communicated this to the deacon board, but the moment you people start bringing out snakes is the moment you vote for a new pastor because I won't be here. I'm sorry, and right after the last service, I said that, and a guy went in the hall and showed me a picture of his snake. I was like, no, get away from me. There is one good kind of snake on this earth. It's the dead kind. It's the only good kind. That's like the best amen I've got all day. Here's the purpose of this verse. I've given you authority over the power of the enemy, but then look down. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. So my authority is not to say, look at me, look at who I am, look at what I can do. My attitude is a reflection of the fact that Jesus has authority in my life and he has forgiven me of my sins. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus and you can be too. The God who wrote my name in heaven is the same God who can write your name in heaven. It changes my outlook, it changes my mindset, the way that I carry myself. The only authority I have is because he has given me authority and he says that I'm set apart and I'm chosen for his purpose, his purpose which is to declare the praises of him who called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So my behavior reflects my belonging, my attitude reflects my authority, but thirdly, my identity reflects image identity reflects image who we are is a reflection of who he is and sometimes we lose sight of this the bible says we are created in the image of god wow we're created to be like him to reflect him first peter 2 9 our verse this morning says it this way you are a chosen people you are royal priests and then he says you're a holy nation he, God, calls us holy. That word holy, it means that we're dedicated or set apart to be in God's presence and to be used by God. That we're holy means that we are uncommon. It means that we are distinct. Here's why. Because our image is more foundational than even our behavior or our attitude. Our behavior and our attitude are important and they're expressions of our lives, but our image is hardwired in through our creator, we identify through who he is, through his image, and what he sees and says about us. Speaking of that, 1 Peter chapter 1. So we've been looking at 1 Peter 2, 9, but 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 14. Look at what he tells us. Because you're created in the image of God, because you now bear his identity, don't, uh, sorry, live as God's obedient, obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but you do now. And now you must be holy in everything you did, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. See, our, our identity is holiness that he gives us. It's not our holiness. The Bible tells us our holiness is like filthy rags before him. But because of the work of Christ on the cross, we take on the holiness of God. And when he sees us, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our failures. He sees a holy nation. Now, don't point, but how many of you know people who like to live in the past? Again, don't point because they might be sitting near you. Let me tell you the number one person that loves to live in the past is Satan. He doesn't just like to live in the past, he likes to live in your past. Because he wants to keep you trapped in your past. Because he knows 
of what Christ has done, you're not the person that you used to be. But if he can convince you that you haven't experienced transformation or change in Jesus, he'll keep you from ever realizing your full purpose in God. So I was with a friend this week, a very godly man, loves the word of God, is a giver, faithful to his church, great guy. And he looks at me, we're having just normal conversation, and just looks me right in the eye and he goes, I'm a bad person. I've done bad things. And I promise you, the Holy Spirit gave me the words to say next because I said, you know, God can't remember any of them. And he stepped back for a second and he goes, you know what, you're right. Most people never say that to me. So I got real encouraged and I was like, yeah, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone and all things are made new. And then he was like, you're getting too preachy. I didn't ask for all that. But it's true. Satan wants us to remember our past and who we used to be, and God can't remember it. He doesn't remember it. He chooses to forget our transgressions, his sins, as far as the east is from the west. And when he looks at us, he sees his image in us, his identity placed upon us. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We are set apart and chosen for his purpose and for his glory. So behavior reflects belonging, and attitude reflects authority, and identity reflects image. But here's the fourth and final one this morning. Praise reflects purpose. Praise reflects purpose. We have a purpose in this life, and it comes through praise. Look at 1 Peter 2, 9, one last time. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priest. You're a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. And as a result of that, you can show others the goodness of God because he has called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. We say here, worship is more than just a song. We do, we worship God in the way that we live our lives. That was the message to the children of Israel. Peter was writing to them, live in a way that God is honored even in the midst of a society and a civilization and a people who don't honor him. And the people who he was writing to, they were following God when it wasn't easy to follow God. I mean, if we're being honest and we study history, they were just being tolerated by the Roman government. And the reason they were being tolerated was first of all, because they paid taxes, because Jesus told them, give the Caesar what is Caesar's. And second was because they didn't cause too much trouble. And so their, their religious belief, their faith in Jesus, it wasn't accepted, it wasn't promoted, but it was tolerated as long as they stayed quiet. But these people, these believers, faithfully and humbly and obediently lived in a way that honored God every day. And because they faithfully and humbly and obediently followed the Lord day after day, the kingdom of God kept growing because people were attracted to the lives that these people were living. And if I could say it even better, they were attracted to the God whom they were serving. It wasn't through extravagance, it was just through faithful, humble obedience to the Lord. And for you and I in this room this morning, those watching us online, we can praise God with music, with instruments, with songs, with clapping, with singing, with our hands lifted high, and that is well and good, but we can also worship the Lord by faithfully and humbly and obediently walking in a way that honors Him each day. If we're being honest, it's really easy to sing and shout. Maybe it's not on key, but it's really easy to sing and shout. 
And it's easy to clap and lift our hands. Maybe we're not on the beat always, but it's easy to do. But what the Bible tells us to do in the book of Romans chapter 1 is to offer our whole bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Paul writes these words, Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. And then he says this, let them, let your bodies, the way you live your lives, let it be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that God will find acceptable. But look at the last line. This is truly the way to worship him. This is truly the way to worship him. You see, our praise reflects our purpose and our praise doesn't always come through song or clapping. Our praise comes just in the way that we live our lives in our culture. Our purpose is that we were created to worship God. We weren't created to worship God because God needs our worship. We're created to worship God because God is worthy of our worship. The Bible tells us the rocks cry out. All of creation sings his praise. He doesn't need our praise. He's worthy of our praise, and we get to worship him. I want to invite you to join me right now in whatever way feels good and comfortable. For me, I'm just going to lift my hands. Whatever way feels comfortable, would you just join me in worshiping the Lord for a moment? Father, I lift my, my hands to you. And Jesus, I worship you in this moment, and I praise you and thank you for who you are. Lord, from the abundance of my heart, would you receive praise? You alone are worthy. So many times other things in my life get attention, but I want you to be the focal point. I want you to receive all the glory. Lord, if there be any good in me, if there be any good that come from my life, it's only because you have made me good. You've declared me holy and righteous in your sight. If I'm loving, it's only because you first loved me. So Father, receive worship this morning from humble hearts who want to bless and honor your holy name. As your head might be bowed and your eyes might be closed in this moment, would you just ask a simple question of the Lord? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? Just ask him that right now and give the Holy Spirit a moment to speak. Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me in this moment? Lord, for some of us, you're reminding us that we belong to you. The enemy has tried to convince us that we're not yours, that we're a product of a failure, that we're stuck in our misdeeds, but we belong to you. Maybe you're trying to remind us today that we're formed in your image, that we're a reflection of you, and our identity is based not on what people say about us, but on what you say about us. Remind us of that today. That's why we give you praise, because we're created to worship you. Not just singing, not just clapping, how we live our lives. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. It's one of the most beautiful acts of worship you could ever do is submitting, surrendering your life to him. And I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm just going to ask in a moment if you'd like to say yes to Jesus, to receive him as Savior and Lord. I'll just ask in a moment for you to lift your hand. And maybe you have never said yes to Jesus, or maybe at some time in your life you have said yes to Jesus, but for whatever reason there's been a drift, there's been a, a shift, a change in your life, you've made decisions, or you've gone through circumstances, and now you're far from God. Let me just uh, gently remind you and encourage you that God has not changed. He has not moved. His arms of love are still open to you. The Bible says his love endures forever. So today, you are still a prime candidate to be a recipient of his love and his grace. 
Again, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. But if you would like to say yes to Jesus, whether today's the first time or you just need to make things right between you and the Lord, would you just simply lift up a hand where I can see it and just say, yes, that's me. Thank you. Thank you for hands that are going up. Thank you for hands that are going up. If you lifted your hand, feel free to go ahead and put it back down. Anyone else that you, maybe I haven't seen your hand and you want to lift that hand, or maybe you're watching us online. Would you put the word yes in your text box and let us know about what God is doing in your life today. We want to pray for you as well. The Bible's very clear in Romans chapter 10 that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So this morning you lifted your hand, you indicated that you believe, but now we're going to pray a prayer of confession. We're going to all pray it. Everyone in this room, everybody that's watching, we're all going to pray together because it's the first of many prayers that we're going to pray but it's a good starting point for our relationship with him. Would you join me in praying this prayer? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I've sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today, I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, heaven's rejoicing. We can rejoice, too, over what God has done. If you prayed that prayer today, that's not the end. That's the starting point. There's a number on the screen. You can text the word yes to 918-766-9117. Our team wants to respond and help you. The first thing we want to do is get you baptized in water. We want you to follow the example of Jesus. And then we want to give you some material. So we want to help disciple you so that you can become more like him. So either text us or come see Robin and I. We'll be right back here in the Welcome Center when this worship experience is done. Now this morning, I said we're focusing on our teachers and our students. So I want to invite all of our teachers, all of our educators, if you work for a school, if you are a homeschool educator, if you're a coach, if you're a school nurse, if you're a school counselor, I know I'm going to miss somebody, but if you're involved in education, would you come to the front and would you get one of these back-to-school survival kits, compliments of Spirit Church? These say, set apart and chosen for his purpose, just as we taught on today. If you're involved in education, come forward. We've got these gift bags for you. We want to honor you. Yeah, and then what we're going to do is we're going to line you up right here along the front of the stage. So once you've received your bag, make sure that you're lined up right here on the front because we're going to pray over you in just a moment. Yeah, isn't this great? What an army of educators. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for being our hands and feet extended. Really, you're the hands and feet of Jesus extended. Feel free to come right here on into the middle. Yeah, so we can see you. We're going to have you turn around and face the crowd. Make sure you get one of those bags. Uh, in those bags, I forgot to point out, we heard you might need a mouse pad. So you have the very first edition Lovejoy Peace mouse pads that are available to you. Pastor Grant made sure that every single bag has a Dr. Pepper. And he said you use that when it gets like it's a really bad day. Have a Dr. Pepper on Grant. There's snacks and other supplies. We just want to bless and honor you. Okay, so we've got these amazing educators that are here. Now, if you're a student that's going back to school, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, if you're a student that's going back to school, would you just stand right where you are? Just stand wherever you are right now. Just stand up. 
And in just a second, everybody's going to stand up. So don't feel awkward. Yeah, we just want everybody to stand. Now, here's what we're going to do. I need prayer team members, deacons and their spouses, pastoral team and spouses, and maybe you just got somebody up here that you really love and you want to pray for. I need some of you to come this way, and then I need some of you to gather around every single student that is in this room. So ready? Let's all stand on three. One, two, three. And then let's start moving right here. Every teacher covered by somebody, you might say, man, you didn't say my name. That's okay. Come on down here and pray for a teacher. Come on down here and pray for an educator. This is an army of missionaries and ambassadors that are going out. Yeah, keep coming. Let me get some more people to come down here and help me pray. Awesome. And then if you're near one of those students that stood up, would you put your hand on their shoulder or put your arm around them? Would you minister to them? I need a few more prayer people right here where I'm standing because I got some godly women right here and they need some people to come pray and agree with them. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you are doing in our community, through our schools, through our educators, through our students. Thank you that you have sent us out and commissioned us as your ambassadors. And I just speak the blessings of God upon these amazing people that are here. I pray for our teachers that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them joy, that you would give them peace and patience beyond their understanding. I pray every day they would sense the anointing of God upon them, resting upon them, use them for your glory and for your honor. I pray for our students that are here, Lord, as they go back to school. God, would they feel courage and boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit to share their faith with the least, the last, and the lost. You have called us not to fit in, but to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And help us to realize that those words from Peter that we read today were not just for a generation that lived thousands of years ago. They resonate within our hearts, Lord. You have a purpose for us, not to exalt ourselves, but to glorify you. And so we thank you. We praise you. We acknowledge you. Thank you, God, for using us. Do a great work in and through our schools, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One more time for all the students, for all the educators, all those who serve. Come on, let's give a great applause for them. Thank you. Thank you. We believe in you so strongly. Amen. Amen. All right, Pastor Grant's going to come pray the benediction. Before we do, we've got 20 free copies of Grace Based Parenting. As soon as he finishes praying, please help yourself to this. And thank you to the family who donated that. God bless you. All right, you can't get out of here without getting a blessing, so go ahead and raise your hands if you're comfortable. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen. We love you guys. Have a wonderful week.